<laughs> so, no pressure whatsoever. We just brought out one deacon that had a message. Here we go. So, but um, I am super excited to do this. I will tell you guys, um, as a missionary for eight years with Iwana, I had opportunities to fill pulpits. I had opportunities to go up. A lot of times it dealt with children and how the advancement of how God works through that and what that looks like. And so I've had a lot of opportunities to speak in front of people. I've had a lot of opportunities to be here um, and do specific messages that really focus a lot on children. There's been other times when I have um, been able to preach on other things. And this time it kind of led me, it hit right in Acts 15. And uh, in preparation, I tried to figure out what I wanted to do because... It was kind of like, there's a Sunday school lesson, and by the way, if you aren't in our Sunday school, I would really encourage you to go. Um, Sam did an incredible job going through Acts 15, and so I just said, I'm not going to do it 15 at all. I'm just kidding. I'm going to go through 15. But um, one of the things that I looked at is one of my favorite stories, next to Nehemiah, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is actually in Acts 14. And I said, well, we're going to go back a little bit because I have the freedom, so you guys going to... Buckle in, okay, because we're going to go quick. We're going to kind of go all the way through 14 and 15. We'll still get you to the Mexican restaurant in time that the crowds won't be there. But, um, but we're going to have fun with what we're doing. As a matter of fact, that's a lot of my focus today. My focus today is going to be on fun. One of the things that we learn in making sure that we communicate to people is making sure that the things that we're doing are fun. If I get up here and I'm dry, there's not an excitement that you see within me that's going to make you want to do what I'm trying to talk to you about. And to exactly what the Lord is delivering. But scripture's fun. If you dive in and you start to see how God works, I will tell you guys there's never been a passage of scripture that he put on my heart to memorize or preach from that he didn't use in my life in some way within a three-week period. And this is one of them. When I started diving into this, I started to see a lot of things, especially in 15. And two weeks ago, whenever I started talking to Cody and I thought he was going to be preaching on 15, I was like, dude, this is awesome. Like, this is so exciting. And then when I heard he didn't do it, I was like, sweet. Then they're like, now you do it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so, um, but I started to dive in. I started to figure out what the fun is. And the way that I started to look at this, because I looked at 14 and I looked at 15 and I started to think, this is like a roller coaster ride. It's incredible to look at what's happening right now in this, this part of Scripture. There are new bursts that are happening right now that are literally exploding at this time in Scripture. And it literally leaps out of here. And, you know, I came to the um, elders about, I guess it was about um, almost a year ago at this point, And I said there was a quiver in me. And I didn't understand what the quiver was. But the Lord was moving as a missionary. He was moving me out of being a missionary to Awana. He was moving me to a completely different place. And I had no idea what that entailed. But all I knew was I was hanging on for the ride. Because I wanted to follow what God had in store. When we see what happens with Paul and Barnabas. When we start to see these stories that are beginning to happen. It literally is so impactful with what's going on. So I want you to open your Bibles to Acts 14. Um... We're going to fly through. I'm going to summarize. Um, I thought about reading scripture, but we would be late for the Mexican restaurant. So we're going to do everything we can to get through this and, and kind of focus on what we're doing. But I wanted to tell this part of the story because there's three specific parts that I'm looking for that I want to make sure that we communicate. Number one is we want to, when we talk about having fun in ministry, it starts with being fearless. 
That's the beginning of what we're looking at. And we see this through Acts uh, 14. Kind of look in there, and I want to kind of go through these sections. And 1 through uh, 6, what you see here is you see Paul and Barnabas going to Iconium, and they're beginning to preach to these people here in Iconium. And they spoke in such a manner that large numbers were coming. Um, and so there was great things that were happening right here at the beginning. But what ended up happening was uh, the Jews and the Gentiles started to get frustrated and they started to see what was happening and they didn't like what they saw. They didn't like the understanding of what he was going out and doing and so they actually began to rise up kind of against. They began to speak against what was going to happen. And so they could kind of sense this was happening. And so Paul and Barnabas at this time are like, okay, we need to kind of move on. Okay, We need to go to the next place. And so then they go to the town of Lystra. When they get to the town of Lystra, great things are happening. They're starting to talk again. And here's the crazy part. And this is what's amazing. When we start to look at, I am a story guy. I am very much a story guy. I love to look at scripture. I love to try and understand how these pieces are coming together. But when we look at Lystra, what happens is Paul and Barnabas go speaking. And as they begin to speak, like the people are moved. They are moved to the point that they actually start calling Paul Hermes and they call Barnabas Zeus because they're putting them in the place to say they are these gods. Look at what they're talking about. Look at how they're speaking. Look at all these miraculous things that are happening. And they're starting to literally try to put them in a place where they fit into their lives with all these other idols and all these other things that they worship. Well, what I love specifically is, you know, how many times... Do we try and set out to do something? And when we set out to do it, there's so much praise that comes along with it. And sometimes we can be caught up in that. Sometimes we see that praise as this is about us. This is what people think of us. This is what people think were these great and mighty people. Matter of fact, these people start sacrificing. These people are basically lavishing them because they are so excited to have Paul and Barnabas. They put them to this God level and they are beginning to worship them. Could it have been very easily for, easy for them to just accept this? To begin to get all these things where they're going, okay, I preached it, they loved it, so now let's reap the benefits from it. You know what's amazing that they choose to do? They choose to go completely the opposite way, to the point where they rip their clothes. They rip their clothes, and this is what I love when you start looking in 14, and this is what they say. The crowd crying out and saying, so this is specifically when we look in Scripture, we go into 14. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore the robes and rushed out into the crowd, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways. And yet he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even saying these things with difficulty, they restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. Who did they immediately reflect every aspect of what they're there to do? He immediately reflected it back to the understanding of who God is. It was no self-praise. There's nothing that did, to the point where they are ripping the robes. So they wanted them to understand the severity of what they're there for. And they wanted them to literally understand the words. Not just that they were to say it, but they wanted the people to understand it. Now here's where it gets interesting. And this is why I love this story. 
Because what begins to happen, and I love in, Bible, in the Bible, when you get to 19, in my Bible, it says strengthening the converts. So what's amazing is when you start seeing what happens in 19 and 20, they're kind of tearing them down to start with. The understanding of what happens. So all of a sudden, we see in this town of Lystra, these people from Antioch and Iconium, which we just talked about Iconium. They were in the process of uh, probably going to stone him, them in Iconium. But now these people travel to Lystra because they hear maybe that Paul and Barnabas are here and they're trying to rise these people up to say, stop these people. Stop from what they're saying. And as they begin to do this, they're getting these people all riled up. And then Paul and Barnabas stand for what they believe in. They stand up to say, this is not, don't put us here. Put us down here. Lift God up there. And in doing that, these people turn on them. These people, these masses, all of a sudden begin to stone Paul. And they stone Paul so that it was, it was to the point where they thought he was dead. They drug him out of the city. And at that time, Barnabas picks up and actually uh, begins to take care of Paul. And, and it actually says in the Bible that they begin to start back in their ministry. How long did that happen? We don't know. Maybe it was one day, whatever it was. But if you read in the scripture, it actually goes on specifically saying... That he goes forward and begins to preach. And this is what I love in here. Because once you start getting in here. And why we talked about it being fearless. We are not to limit where God's going to reach. We are not to stand in the way of what he is going to do. Because if we stand in the way of that. It's going to be accomplished in one way or another. Jonah found that out the hard way. The understanding of what God has in store. Is that we can either be a part of it. Or we can sit back and watch it happen. But the reality is if we fear what's going to happen to us, then we've lost. Because our fear of man, as many of you have heard me say a million times, our fear of man is what drives us so many times. And realistically, it should be our fear for the Lord. Our respect and understanding of who he is should drive us to the reality of who we are and how we are defined because it's in Christ. When you see here, what did Paul do? What did Paul and Barnabas do? So Paul's probably pretty battered. He gets up and where does he go? I love to read this in scripture. He goes to Antioch and he goes to Iconium. These people that just rose up against him and literally stood against, against him to stone him to death because of what he says. But he goes back there and he begins to preach again. He begins to strengthen. He begins to build up God's kingdom as he's going through. The fearless understanding of what God has the ability to do is if we fear God and what he has the power to do through us, then realistically man can do nothing to us. It's amazing to see, if, and um, I tell this story all the time, but there's a story about, and I'm sorry for bringing this story up for you guys, but Black Hawk Downs, there's a movie specifically Okay, where it talks about a commander who is actually in the Humvee. If you've ever seen that movie before, they are going to rescue a soldier that had, fallen, that had uh, crashed, I believe, in a helicopter. But they go to rescue this soldier, and as they go through, there is pandemonium through these streets to the point where one of the soldiers, their life was taken. They get back and they make it out. And as soon as they make it out, the commander comes out and says, you got to go back in. Somebody's still in there. Down the same streets, the same streets, so they knew what was ahead of them. And a commander, that commander specifically came forward and he said that his, supervisor, his, his officer came to him and said, 
It's your responsibility to go back in. Wipe down your Humvee. Start new. Because you need your men to have the right mindset as they go forward. As he wiped down that Humvee and prepared for what their mission was, he said, I realized at that moment, he said that I was bulletproof. Unless the Lord was going to choose to take my life at that time. He didn't have restrictions. This is a man who was a ranger. He was a, and he had incredible strength, incredible discipline. This is a man who was looking at it and didn't know what the future held. But specifically, he stood strong in his faith and said, my God's in control. If my life is to be taken today, he's in complete control. And he went in fearless. So what we see here and what's starting to happen with Paul and Barnabas is they're going back in. As they go back in, they're fearless. They're not worried about what people think. They're not worried about what these people may rise up against them and say. But they went back in because they were fearless because it was not about them. It was about the Lord. And I get excited because then we're starting to go in. And so we see all these really positive things happening at the end of uh, 14, and it gets really exciting as we're looking in 14 because great things are starting to happen. And uh, so as they're going on all these missions, what happens immediately in 15? As uh, Sam did such a great job last week specifically talking about, um, when we start in 15, we see these men, okay, in verse 1 coming down from Judea, and they begin teaching about the restrictions that are put on. And it starts talking about circumcision, Okay? That in order to be saved, they must be circumcised. So I'm not going to go into great detail about that today. So um, if you want to go into that, you are more than welcome to. But I want to talk specifically about what that means. This is where the line of Abraham is beginning. That's where the understanding is of what circumcision is. And so it was a setting apart. It was the cutting off of that sin and understanding of what was happening so as you begin to look into this, this is basically what these men are saying. Now, we, when we talked about this, one of the things we talked about, they didn't fully understand exactly what was happening. These men were teaching what they, were, what they, what they understood. But the reality was there was something added to. And the reality of when we look at uh, the law of Moses, as they begin to talk about the custom of Moses and the things that were laid out, the awesome part is there was something new that has happened. There's an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. There's an understanding of what this sacrifice is. Of what they're beginning to teach those Gentiles. Of what they're beginning to teach many people. And honestly, what they're beginning to teach Jews. It's amazing to look at what's about to happen here in 15 as we go. But what we're going to look at in 15 is we're going to look at here specifically that they're unified. What I love about this is... When you look at Paul and Barnabas specifically at the beginning here, Paul and Barnabas get very frustrated. They're frustrated because what's being taught in the streets. There's kind of confusion that's happening where they're teaching that Paul and Barnabas are going out and realistically teaching about the gospel. When these men who are in the streets feeling like they're supposed to be doing something they're supposed to do are actually putting an additional restriction on what it is to believe in Jesus Christ. And as we go through and we start looking at this... I love this piece of it because I, I think it's one piece that we don't necessarily look at today when we talk about the church. You see that there is debate and there's great dissension. And what immediately happens within great dissension? You have a choice to make. You can either separate or you can come together when dissension happens. What do we see here? This is the coming together of the Jerusalem Council. This is a time for those believers to come together and say, we need to be on the same page. How many times do we need to do that in our churches? 
How many times do we see somebody else doing something and, and, and we've got all these messages that are out there and we need to come together as a group to be able to reach a nation? We talked about it in Sunday school today. When, when I grew up, we were in a post-Christian society. Realistically, now we're in a pre-Christian society where people necessarily aren't hearing unless we are going to take the time to go out. People aren't walking in the doors of churches anymore. We have to literally find a way to be able to go and reach. We have to be able to go out and talk to them specifically. So, as you see here, um, what happens is, um, in 15, and I kind of wanted to touch on this because I, I want you to see a common thread here. Because you're starting to see the importance of Paul and Barnabas and what they're beginning to do. You know, God gave them opportunity through their missionary journey to be able to share. And if you see at the end of 14, they're sharing. They're talking about what God did. Then you go into 15, and they're getting ready to go to this Jerusalem council. What did they do along the way? They were sharing what God did. They were testifying to the miracles and the things that were happening. Why is that so important? Why is it so important for us to testify what God's doing? You know, sometimes great things happen in this room right here. Great things happen in this church. Are we talking to people about it? Are we testifying to what God's doing? We share in prayer. We take the time as believers to get together. But that's not where God wants us to stop. God wants us to be able to tell everyone that we come in contact how he is working in and through our lives. You want to know how to make a difference in the community that we live in, in this world that we live in? Testify to how God's working. Because you know it's that action above words that people are going to be watching. You can speak it all day long. I can stand up here and say, this is what it's all about. And you know what? You have a choice to make. You either choose to listen to what I'm saying and follow, or you choose to do your own thing. The world, in a lot of cases right now, is choosing to do their own thing because they think it's what's best. The reality is we need to testify. We need to be able to communicate because the importance of, of each one of our lives and how God is working through it is what's going to bring people to an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. Is it about us? No, it shouldn't be about us. It should be a reflection of who he is and how he's working. So I want to kind of go into this Jerusalem council. And I want, and this is why I love it. This is, um, JC came home talking about what Weston talked about whenever they were going through it. And he's like, Weston made the statement. He's like, could you imagine being in this room? Like, could you imagine being here right now with Peter and Paul and Barnabas and James? Like, Wow, that like to be a fly on the wall, to be able to see an understanding of all these minds coming together, to have a unified vision as to what was being put forward. I mean, we have three elders, and when you guys come together, there's awesome things that happen. So, but the reality, <laughs> the reality of this situation, what we're looking at is these minds are all coming together. And what I love is, and you start to look at this, is how are they trying to prove a point? How are they trying to communicate what's happening? They're communicating through what they have experienced. They're communicating through their own things that they've seen. Peter immediately talks, starts talking about uh, Cornelius and the understanding of what happened. Peter's amazed by what happened because, yes, Acts 2 is happening. They're seeing incredible things happening, people coming to the Lord, the Holy Spirit moving. But what Peter saw was he saw the Holy Spirit moving and just words being spoken. 
He didn't fully understand what's happening specifically with Cornelius because as he's talking, the Holy Spirit is filled and he's looking at this. Imagine how Peter felt standing there and doing what God's called him to do, to prepare to, to deliver the gospel in this moment. And then to watch as these people start speaking in tongues or however that specific gift was at this moment. There's kind of a moment where Peter's like, whoa, like this is incredible. And what is he doing? He's sharing that. He's being, he's testifying to the fact of how the Holy Spirit chose to move in that moment. Why is this so important? Because it was through Gentiles. And his point in this whole thing, as we began at the, at the beginning, and we started talking about these men in Judea and what they were doing, they said, in order to be saved, you must be circumcised. What are they saying? You must be a Jew before you can be saved. That's the standard of what they're laying. And Peter's saying, if that's the case, then explain to me what happened to Cornelius. Explain to me what happened to that household. Explain to me how, if this is what's necessary as a step, then explain to me how this works. Because when you talk about a testimony and you talk about testifying to the fact, a lot of times people are going to try and throw a lot of different things at you. And you can go through emotion of a moment, but the reality is if you go through facts, it's very hard to to deny a fact of what someone has seen or experienced. And it's awesome because... Uh, at this time, uh, Peter specifically goes forward and he gives them an exact understanding of how God worked. And so he's seeing this. And this is what I love because when I start thinking about Paul and Barnabas, and I told you guys I'm a story guy. I love this because then it's like Paul and Barnabas time. So like when he gets done, like Paul and Barnabas are getting up. Let me tell you all these stories of how God's working. That's what I love. They're getting up and sharing experiences. They're getting up and talking about how God's working. They're not getting up there to the point where they're trying to define the understanding. They're just talking about how God has worked through them. See, we talked about it today. Your testimony is literally that. Your opportunity to talk about how God worked through you at one time. The awesome part is, that's not the end. Unless for you, if you choose for it to be. Because he's going to continue to work through you. You choose to follow after him, he's going to do things that you can never explain. There's things that you've experienced that you may never fully be able to grasp and understand. But 15 years from that moment when you experienced it, you're going to realize why God had you go through that. You're going to be able to testify exactly what he has in store for your life. And I love looking at scripture because literally every piece of this, we look at what's happening in the Jerusalem council and we look at all this thing through 14 and 15. And these are things that happened a very long time ago. But it is so practical to what we are to understand right now and how our walk should be. That's where I get incredibly excited about what's happening. Because after Paul and Barnabas get done, who comes up next? James. Okay. This is like... Like the best revival ever, like is what's happening. So it's like one after the other. So James gets up and now James is going to talk about and, and, you know, he kind of begins to take what was these stories and these experiences. And he said, but I want you to understand that this was before this moment already put in scripture. As he starts talking about Amos 9, 10 and 11, that's what it looks. That's what you're reading there. And. 
Acts 15, 16 through 18. And it says, after these things, I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen. And I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. And the Gentiles who are called by my name, say the Lord who makes these. Sorry, these things from long ago. So when we look at this specifically, how can they deny God working in and through everyone? Through the Jews and through the Gentiles. He takes scripture. See, sometimes we think it's the gospel according to JJ. But the reality is, I have no power in the words that I say. My words should be driven from what God says first. I don't speak to you and say, by the way, scripture backs me up. I speak to you through scripture is what I should be doing. And I am backed up and I can testify to how that is working through me. God's word is greater than anything that ever could come out of my mouth. We have to see this as an incredible tool. And at this time, in the Jerusalem council, when there is literally a time when all these people are coming together, and this is how we're going to proceed going forward, what do they do? They go to scripture. Imagine that. The understanding for what should be done from this point forward. And it's amazing to me because it's it's awesome kind of, and I'm sorry to jump around, but this is kind of, Unfortunately, you guys are in my mind today. So, um, but this is how things work. You know, as you're looking through this and an understanding of what's happening, James at this time, he starts talking about how can you ever expect them to do something that you can't? Because we're looking at this actually over in, um, <clears throat> in 10, uh, 15, 9. And he said, he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts and faith. Now, therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? See, there's a standard that's been laid. That standard, as we look through the Old Testament, is that it's constantly not upheld to. It's constantly so difficult for them to be able to live that life that they're constantly failing. But yet these men expect Gentiles to be able to do that. These men want to put these standards on them. In order to be saved, you must do these things. And he's saying, why? Why would you put that standard on them when you can't even uphold to it? When no one in the history of as we look back can be upheld to it, that's not where we are. And so... What I love about this and what we're teaching here is the unified aspect. So we started with fearless. We went to unified and we're watching as all these things start coming together. And these men came together and unified and they began to develop what is the Jerusalem decree. The understanding of how are we going forward. Now, I want to read this specifically because I think it's very important to understand. And I would encourage you guys. um, There was about 16 ways I wanted to go. Right up until I sat back there and somebody said, okay, it's not your time. There's 16 ways I wanted to go because there's so much here. There's so much understanding of when you dive into God's word and take the time to fully understand every word, every verse, every chapter. It's incredible to watch how he has the ability to use it. You know what I love? I can tell you something today, but it could mean completely have a whole different meaning to you when you read this verse a year from now. You're going to pull something completely different out of it. The awesome part is I have a responsibility that, to stand up here and do what I've been asked to do and to literally go where God leads me in this moment and the Spirit leads. But you have a responsibility to get into these scriptures to understand in a way of how God's going to use you. And so I want to look here specifically what this decree is. And they sent this letter by them. We're, we're here 
1523 is where we're at. And they sent this letter by them, the apostles and the brethren who are elders, to the brethren in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, who are from the Gentiles' greetings, since we have heard that some of our number, to whom we gave no instruction, have disturbed you with their words, unsettling your souls. How would you feel if you were those guys? Like, those guys that this whole thing kind of started with? Like, think about that. They're like, oh, that's, they're talking about us. So, you know what? In some cases, it could be us that were disturbed and didn't fully grasp or understand that that may have stood in the way of somebody fully grasping and going forward. But they said there, so it seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord, and, uh, Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will also report the same things by word of mouth, for it seemed godly to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon no greater burden than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well, farewell. You know what I look at here because I remember in Sunday school, it kind of went and we said, okay, no restrictions, but here's your restrictions. Are those restrictions? Or is this a way to reach a people who may think that they know the answer? Is this a way here at the end in 29 where they're, where they're specifically giving them an understanding of how you have the ability to literally reach these Jewish people who literally may not fully grasp and understand who Jesus Christ is themselves? You know what they just did right there? They made the Gentiles missionaries. They told the Gentiles it's your responsibility now to make sure that you do the things necessary to go forward and advance God's kingdom. Not necessarily... Saying, you do this, you sin. He's saying, do this because it is well. An understanding of how to go forward and trying to draw in to what specifically is happening. Also, when you look in here, um, we kind of go in and what begins to happen is all this stuff starts being poured out. And as you start looking at all this pouring out, this begins to go out into different cities and different places. They're starting to watch and see how this is all beginning to Uh, To spread God's kingdom. Now here's what I wanted to take the time because I think if we miss, sometimes we get so wrapped up in making sure that we understand what's being said here that we actually don't take the most obvious understanding of what is being said. What did Paul almost give his life for? What did Paul and Barnabas go journey for? What did this Jerusalem council come together for? What was the whole point of why they came together, of why they were willing to give their life? What was the whole point? The whole point was the gospel. The whole point of the sacrifices that are being made at this point was for the advancement of the gospel. And I ask you, what is that? What is the gospel? Well, let me tell you what that is. We have a very simplistic way of understanding exactly what this is. I could go through my 13-point outline that I was taught with 15 different verses and show you many different ways. And I could lay it all out for you. But the reality is it's said in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. That Christ died according to the scripture, was buried, and rose again according to the scripture. You see, the reality is whenever we start talking about what these men are willing to give their life for is to communicate the fact. That Jesus Christ was sent to this earth by God himself because he loved us so much that he gave his one and only son. 
My boys have heard this a million times. I've got four boys back there. If you ask me to sacrifice one of them for the world, I'm not going to do it. But God loved us so much that he sacrificed Jesus, his son, for each and every one of us. To realize that there was no way that we could spend eternity in heaven to have a relationship with Jesus Christ unless there was a substitution. A propitiation for exactly what is laid out before us. Somebody who is willing to lay down their life and that's exactly what Jesus did. The understanding that Jesus Christ died on the cross is not the end of the story and sometimes we stop there. Because it is not the end of the story. The awesome part about our God versus every other God that these men are willing to give their life for and they are literally willing to turn things upside down for is that he is still alive today. That is the most amazing thing. Because I think we miss it. I think we forget that. I think sometimes we look so deep in the scriptures that sometimes we forget those little basic pieces that are so incredibly important that sometimes we just kind of go over it. Because in church... We want them to know this. But what do we want them to know? I want them to know how their life can be changed. And Jerusalem Council had the ability to do that, not through what they decreed, through what they were decreeing on. This is how the gospel is to go forward. That's what these men did. Now, here's the awesome part. So Paul and Barnabas have literally been through this roller coaster ride, okay? We're on this. It's an incredible roller coaster ride as they're going. Peaks, valleys, peaks, valleys. Like, they're worn out. What do we say we're talking about? Ministry is fun. Is it at times? Sometimes it's a struggle. But we talked about being fearless. We talked about being unified. And now one of the most important pieces that I think we need to fully understand and grasp is that there are numerous opportunities. When we look at 15, 36 through 41... We see a little spat. We see a little disagreement right now between Paul and Barnabas. And what is it over? It's over an understanding of one individual. Of of John Mark. The understanding of what are we going to do with this guy? And Paul's like, look. okay, And you can read in and go into more definition and understanding of exactly what's said here. But Paul says we need to go and strengthen the people. We need to go in all these places that we've been, all these stops that we've had along the way, we need to go back. We need to go back and we need to see what things are happening. You know, I went into a ton of commentaries to fully understand exactly what this means, and everybody had a different opinion as to what this means with going back. And that's what I love, because we don't know exactly what it means. But you know what's exciting? is Paul was probably going back and he wanted to hear this man preach. I brought him to the Lord, I want to see how God's working through him. Do we do that I'm just, honestly, do we do that as a church body? Do we take the time to not only bring people to Christ, but are we taking the time to walk them through what this looks like? Are we taking the time to see how God is working? I love the beginning of this. I love the understanding of what Paul and Barnabas specifically are talking about. And Paul's talking about going out and doing because he wants to support. He wants to be there. He wants to have an impact on what God's doing and then also watch Because it's not just a matter of him getting up and critiquing. This is also going to give him a fire. This is going to drive him even that much further. Wow, God's doing incredible things. And he never, I guarantee, didn't stand up there and go, Paul, Barnabas, we're awesome. Do you hear what's happening right here? He didn't take that. He's looking to give glory and honor to the Lord and all that's happening. However, we start to see this 
spat begin to come. And in this spat here, and kind of starts in 38, um, uh, well, 37 even, but he's specifically talking about what's happening. And, and Paul is frustrated because John Mark actually, at that time, had left them at one point. And Paul's saying, we've got to go back and strengthen these people. What's it going to look like if we go back and strengthen these people and this guy who's actually with us isn't even fully strengthened and I don't want him with us? And Barnabas is saying, wait a second, Let, let's work with them. Let's see what this looks like. Well, is there a nice way to have this ending? There probably, there definitely was. But in the point of what's happening, we see this conflict between Paul and Barnabas to the point where they s- split up. And here's what I love about this. It's the personalities of who they are. You know, thankfully... You all in here aren't like me. You all have your own personalities. You have your own way of doing things, your own way of accomplishing things. And my wife and I are literally polar opposites. I'm people-driven. She's goal-driven. If you look on slides, it's completely opposite slides. But you know what? That's what strengthens us. That's what makes us stronger as a couple to be able to accomplish things because we both have the same mindset of one goal in mind, but we have two different ways of getting there. That's what ministry is about. Ministry is about being solely focused. Understanding what we're trying to accomplish, but realizing somebody like Barnabas, what do we see in Barnabas? I see two different people here. I see Paul who literally wants to go out and evangelize, and I see Barnabas who wants to disciple. I see two people who have the same mindset to be able to further the kingdom, but it's not just about advancing the kingdom, it's about deepening the kingdom also. It's about getting a better understanding of what's going forward. And we see that through what happens here with Paul and Barnabas. And God did a miraculous thing. He didn't just take one journey. He made multiple journeys. He began to use these men in ways. And what else is happening? What else is happening is that John Mark is put to a point where he's tested. Because Paul said, until he's tested, I don't want anything to do with them. And as we go on to see later on in in, in the Bible... Paul says, bring John Mark because he's been tested and I need him. What if Barnabas hadn't taken the time to dig in? What if Barnabas didn't stand his ground and say, I want this. I believe the Lord is saying for me to do this, whatever it may be, he dug in. And then when he dug in, he was able to teach and bring alongside. What also is happening Silas goes with Paul, and incredible things start happening through Silas and Paul. You look at these ministries, and it is mind-blowing what begins to happen. Because we could look at this and go, here it is, two Christians quarreling. And all over this thing, and they've got their own little thing happening. But what did the Lord do? The Lord did a great and mighty thing. He acted through each and every one of them to the point where he literally put them in a place... Where they could take the strengths of who they are and literally further God's kingdom and deepen God's kingdom. He began, they began to build their army. They began to strengthen God's kingdom and the, the army that is being built up here. Now, <clears throat> I told you that I've preached many times and there's, uh, there's times when I've had the opportunity to get up in front of people and, and talk specifically about about kids and um, how children are so important to a church body. And um, I believe that without a shadow of a doubt. 
I could go into that. That's a whole other sermon. If you invite me back, I may go on that. But um, the point is we look at this and as we go through is to understand that ministries happen in many different ways. VBS drove Awana. Awana drives leadership to step up and make a difference in kids' lives in ways that they may never have before. Sunday school, the opportunity for each one of these. Let me tell you something. I want to take this time real quick to thank every Sunday school teacher in this church. Because you are encouraging not just adults through those that are doing adults. But thank goodness that we have teachers that are teaching our children in ways that we should be doing at home. And hopefully we are. But oh goodness gracious, how exciting to know that they're coming alongside exactly what Deuteronomy 6 tells us as a church body to do. To help raise children. Amazing as we begin to look at this. But we have got to make sure that our focus is right. One of the biggest things in Awana that we had to preach right from the very end is that we talked about alignment of church. We talked about the importance of being a laser vision to what we're trying to accomplish. I don't know if you guys have taken the opportunity, but I did. I took this opportunity to basically go back and I want to specifically read something. I want to read exactly what our mission statement of this church is. Our mission statement is in obedience to our Lord's great commission. We believe that our priority is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with as many people as possible in our community and throughout the world. You know, we were challenged about a year ago, probably about 10 months ago. I sat right there where my son's sitting. um, And I remember Kevin standing right here and saying... How are we going to reach black men? I turned and looked at Laura and I said, I'm going to go tell him. I'm going to go tell him how we're going to reach black men. And I walked up here and we talked about Awana. And I saw all of them get excited about it. And I was incredibly excited. But you know what? Awana was just a tool. It had nothing to do with that ministry of Awana. It had everything to do with every one of you that has taken the time that when God has blessed us with children to be able to make an impact in their lives, you all stepped up. The reality is this church body has incredible excitement in reaching people. And it doesn't need to stop there. We need to be going out and talking to people. We need to have the excitement of Paul to go and tell people. But we need to have the willingness of Barnabas to disciple people. Why is that so important? Because it's three of the strongest of the pillars of your church. If you are a member of this church, it's three of the pillars specifically when we look at and I wanted to bring that up too. And if you can't find it, it's on the webpage. So please be, feel free to go find it yourself. But it says this, one, fa- one pillar, family. At Blackman, family is the center of everything we do. We believe that the most powerful discipleship happens in the home. We also celebrate that we have been adopted into the larger family of God. It's happening right here. We're, we're coming right alongside families to try and lift one another up. We are literally making sure that those are things we're doing. Number two, discipleship. At Blackman, discipleship includes not only the study of God's word, but also a commitment to encourage one another to a closer walk with God. We do that through Sunday school. We do that through small groups. If you're not a part of it, get involved. We want you to have a stronger relationship with Jesus Christ that you can go where God has already put you and make a huge impact in what he's doing That last piece is service. At Blackman, service is seeking to meet the physical and spiritual needs of the people God has placed in our lives. We see service as an opportunity to fulfill the two great commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. Let me tell you something. 
Paul and Barnabas weren't worried about Gentiles. They weren't worried about Jews. They weren't worried about anything. Paul and Barnabas went out, and they were going to do whatever it took to be able to accomplish the furthering of God's kingdom. Are we? Are we? With whatever it is, we've been given opportunities in different places. We have incredible things that are happening. How are we girding that? How are we coming along as a church body to make a huge impact on wherever God has called us? You see, that Jerusalem council that met together, they met together with a plan of how to go forward. So did your leadership here. They met together with a plan to go forward. They delivered that mission statement, and they gave you your pillars. They gave you an understanding of how to be solely focused to align, to be able to reach this community and all those around you. But the reality is, you have to choose to align and be a part of it, or to just sit back and watch it happen. Because it's going to be accomplished. I was excited, very excited when we came to this church because I've heard so many churches split because of the color of carpet. We don't have carpet anywhere as I started to look through. And then whenever they started talking about color in here on pavement, I was scared to death because I didn't know what was going to happen. But the reality is, if that's our focus, we're wrong. Our focus needs to be outside that driveway. When we go outside... And we have an opportunity to reach this community. How are we going to do it? And do we have a desire to do it? I'll tell you something. One of the biggest things that I was excited to do was to quit my job as a missionary. <laughs> that sounds kind of funny. But uh, because I didn't want to be an Awana missionary anymore. I wanted to be a missionary to my church body. I wanted to affect here. I had 140 churches that I got the opportunity to help affect. And that was awesome, and God did incredible things. But I don't want to just affect there. There's a row of five back there. There's my reasons for affecting. And then each one of you have a row, a lot of rows in here, of kids. And I am so excited that we get an opportunity to be a part of that, to come alongside. And I'm telling you, if you're not working at this church and working through this church, then you're missing opportunities. Because you have an opportunity to testify, just as Paul and Barnabas were. And you have an opportunity to go and talk to people in your community about how God's working here. And you can choose to step up and do it, or you can choose to step up and sit down and watch. But the awesome part is, God's going to work. And I tell you, I want to be a part of it. So... I encourage you all, get into your Bibles and look at this stuff because I can only cover so much. And I was, I asked uh, Ken to come up and uh, close us out because uh, this is, I am incredibly passionate about making sure that we're reaching our community. But I haven't always been there. For 23 years, I didn't share the gospel. I was saved at the age of seven and didn't share the gospel for the first time until I was 30. Don't make that mistake. And don't think that you're too old. Don't think that you're too young. God has the ability to work through anybody. Take that opportunity to seize that moment. Understand that God has given you an incredible gift. And I'll tell you right now, if you don't think you have a story, give me two minutes with you and I'll find your story. Because if you've chosen to believe and trust in Jesus Christ, you have a story. And you should be sharing it. Thank you.
Well, we, we often, we, every Sunday, we want to have a time of response. JJ shared with us, we need to be fearless in our pursuit of God's will. We need to be united in our, in our approach to the community, and we need to seize opportunities. So, he talked about Paul. He talked about a roller coaster. And I was just imagining as he was talking, Paul's on this roller coaster. And when he was in Lystra, that roller coaster went upside down. And it went right up, right up by the rocks where it looks like his head was going to get torn off. But when it pulled into the stop and he could get out, he didn't even take his seatbelt off. And he said, let's go again. So he was fearless. And he went for the opportunities. Brothers and sisters, we, we need to go for the opportunities. And we need to seek those. We need to be fearless. Um, we're going we're gonna to play a closing song. And I'm just going to invite anyone to come up and respond to this message. If you're a believer, then respond, respond to JJ's call. He reminds us of God's call to us to seek the lost and disciple the saved. If you're not saved, if you, if you need to respond to the gospel, you need to come up here and acknowledge and confess Christ as your Savior. Now's a great time to do that. And Kevin or I or Cody can talk to you if you want to do that. So we're going to pray now. We're going to close in song. Father, we thank you. I thank you for my brother JJ. I thank you for, for his love for you, for his passion, for your word, and for your work. I pray for this church that you would... You would uh, move with your spirit among us and that you'll use us for your great work in this world. In Jesus' name.